0: welcome to the At Peace Parents podcast. I'm Casey and I'm here to empower you in your decision making as a parent of a demand avoidant child. My goal is to share insights that will generate aha moments and support your connection with your child. I'm a mom of two amazing little boys, one of whom is PDA, and I've worked with hundreds of parents just like you to teach them how to lead their child out of burnout and find the clarity, peace, and sense of community they need. let's talk about service dogs and PDA children or teens. So today I'm gonna share with you guys part of my journey with a service dog for my PDA autistic son and some of the pitfalls, pros and cons that we have dealt with in our family over the last two plus years because I get a lot of comments about it, but I don't make content about it very often because it's such a specific question. Okay, so I have seven things I wanna share with you just to give you a sense of, could this potentially be a good fit for your family and also helping you not to make all the trial and error painful mistakes that I made because it has not been a smooth journey with our service dog. And I'm just gonna be as honest and transparent as possible at the risk of you guys judging me for my privilege financially. But that's fine because if I help one person, I'm willing to do it and feel the judgment. Okay, so the first thing I wanna say is that if you are interested in a true service dog, which is different than a therapy dog, a service dog is a dog that's trained for specific skills related directly to the disability. So the disabilities that my son has a service dog trained for are autism and PTSD. Okay, the PTSD is the part that relates to his nervous system and the commands that the dog does are up, which is deep pressure to help stop a panic attack, lay, which is also deep pressure to help stop a panic attack, and behind, which is crowd control if he's in a public area. And that has only happened once when we were in occupational therapy where he actually like fell off the hammock swing or the the hot dog swing. And I ran to him to like help him because he was starting to have a panic attack And the therapist, who's very trusted, started to come over, but the service dog actually did the behind command to protect us from the OT because he saw that there was a panic attack. So those are the three commands that make my son's dog a true service dog, okay, which is not... The same as a therapy dog, because a therapy dog is not by federal law in the United States allowed in classrooms or airplanes. It's not required that those public arenas allow a therapy dog versus a service dog for a disability. Okay, so there are primary two primary routes you can go. One is the private company route, which will cost you approximately between fifteen dollars and $22,000. But the timeline will be approximately like one to two years versus a nonprofit or charity, which is not guaranteed that your child will get the service dog. You have to go through an application process. It's often a three to five year wait list. And sometimes you have to physically go to the location of the nonprofit with at least one adult, which just put us out of the running for that. So we went the private route. Some people do fundraising in order to meet that cost, but these are for fully trained service dogs, okay? Other people, train puppies or raise therapy or puppy service dog puppies from when they're little. Our family could not manage any type of training the dog itself. So I'm just talking about like if you're going through a company or or an organization. Okay, so our service dog arrived over 2 years ago when he was already 1 years old and fully trained as a service dog and the first thing i want to plant a seed about for you guys is something that i might not have been able to admit at the time but was something that i was subconsciously thinking would be a silver bullet okay so one of the things i do with with my work, with coaching, with teaching you guys in the paradigm shift program, our signature program. And here is to get you out of the desperate and never ending search for a magic bullet. And for me, the arrival of the service dog was the nail in the coffin of the magic bullet quest that I didn't even realize I had been on. Because when the dog came, I realized, yes, it's going to help. However, it's not going to fix PDA. It's not going to make it go away. And I would never have admitted at the time that that's what I was hoping for. But I realized when it didn't happen, like, oh, I was really hoping that he would no longer have this nervous system disability, right? It did help him sleep. Right. It was an extra sentient being and a very safe nervous system in his room and in his bed so that my husband and I did not have to be that role. Additionally, you know, as many of you have experienced, you might have a PDA child or teen who wants your nervous system next to them on the couch, even when they're doing an iPad or a screen and like you can't even look at your phone or move because you need to be that undivided attention nervous system. It did help that somewhat where he had this big black lab, 92 pounds, sitting next to him at all times. But he still had panic attacks, still lots of equalizing behavior, still PDA, right? So that's the first thing I want to say. The second thing I want to say, which you know in retrospect is obvious but again we're all like trying to find solutions that will help our families and we might overlook The reality that this is a lot of work (laughs) okay so even if you're not training the dog you're not waking up with a puppy you're getting a fully trained service dog and you're someone like me who like doesn't feel super comfortable around animals i know most of you probably feel different than that but like i was not a dog person before we got the service dog so it is another sentient being in your home that you have to give care to right? And so what this means is you will have more demands on you, right, as a parent. And, you know, many of us would like to think that it will encourage responsibility and caregiving and, you know, that the PDA child will walk the dog and groom the dog and give it food and all the things, even affection. But that's not necessarily going to happen, okay? Some of that has happened over the long term where, like, after a year my son started voluntarily and autonomously taking the dog out in the morning and filling his food bowl. We had never said he needed to do any of that because if there was even an energy behind us wanting him to learn to take care of the dog, it was an immediate rejection, okay? Because that's how it works perception of a loss of autonomy, freedom and choice, and or the perception that I'm the authority telling him he has to do something with the service dog, okay? So this isn't like a, we're going to get a service dog and then they'll learn responsibility and how to take care of another animal, (laughs) right? An additional wrinkle in our experience was that our dog was quite obedient, however, was not well socialized. So my husband and I joke that somehow we have ended up with a very reserved, potentially traumatized service dog, maybe autistic himself, like other members of the family. So you know, he won't get up off the couch and walk around like a normal dog. And he, for a year, would like startle the dog at everything, right? Whether it was an umbrella, whether it was like someone taking out a pan in the um, kitchen too quickly, a noise, he's still very startled. So one thing I would recommend is to focus, if you are looking for a service dog, not just on obedience, but also socialization. So apparently there are different schools of thought in dog training, which again, I had no idea. But we actually had to hire another trainer locally to help us because we needed to take a different approach and had to actually take our 92 pound Black Lab service dog to puppy classes. What does that mean? He's getting socialized as a like teenage dog, and there's all these other little puppies. I mean, this was great for me and my son because it was his special interest and it was so exciting. But we would drive to this place like half an hour away, and the dogs would like meet each other the puppies and then there's this huge black lab and we would sit in a circle with the owners and we would pass around the puppies for socialization you can imagine our big service dog getting like pulled around with his like collar around the circle (laughs) and he's like an adult dog but he's so reserved that like the puppies would climb all over him and my son did love these classes, he was so excited about them every week that he would actually perceive an internal loss of autonomy from the excitement itself. And I know you guys know this with like Halloween coming up and holidays coming up, the perception of excitement as a loss of autonomy can activate fight flight. And so my son would actually sometimes need to vomit on the way home because he would activate so much after these exciting puppy classes. (laughs) So again, Hopefully I'm painting a picture of like, this isn't a plug and play situation, like everything else with a PDA child. So fourth, your child will equalize at times against the dog. Okay. Why? Because it's a safe nervous system, just like they equalize against the safest or the weakest in your home, the sibling or you, the lead parent. And what this can look like is you know, shoving the dog away or kicking when the dog's like too much in his space. And like we have to, like we do in every other moment, diffuse the situation, remove the dog so that the dog isn't being hurt in the same way that we would set a boundary with a sibling, right? But again, we have to refrain from that teaching in the moment because he's in his survival brain, which is the red part. And if you try and teach, it's gonna drive him deeper down and it will cause a fixation on the behavior that you're trying to teach them out of. Okay. So again, this isn't going to go away with a service dog. (laughs) Another example of this is that, you know, when the dog started to have trouble in his second year in the classroom at a private Montessori school, we started to use a different approach with a buzzer around his neck to like signal him like, hey, don't do that, and then reward him when he did things well. However, my son would equalize and shift the commands because he's equalizing against the expectation, the authority of like, you must do it this way. So, you know, when the dog would fuss or get up or try and eat food of of him during lunchtime you know instead of consistently applying the commands or correcting the dog he would sometimes do the opposite right and when we encouraged him to do things a certain way he would do the opposite because why because i'm a parent or there's a teacher or there's his dad above him with the energy of authority of you must do this because we need to keep the dog trained to stay in the classroom, the perception of threat goes off and he equalizes against that expectation, undermining the training of the service dog, okay? This is just the reality, right? So what was our problem solving approach? My husband and I actually had to sit outside the classroom for the course of three and a half months for three to four hours a day to support the the consistent training of the service dog with the buzzer and in conjunction with the teacher. So, you know, we had to sit outside the classroom and I did my work for the business outside the classroom, right, and would go out for a recess and like pay attention to the dog and make sure the dog's it got picked up and all the things, okay. So, again, not a silver bullet. Five okay, it will be hard to get a school, at least in the United States, that will allow the service dog, okay. So, even though it's federal, it's required by federal law, there are loopholes, right? So, the dog has to be under complete control of the handler. The handler can be you as the parent or it can be the child. But when a child is six, seven, eight, and PDA they're not necessarily gonna be a great handler because they have to be consistent with the commands, right? So ultimately you need to have a situation at a school where the teacher is on board or on board with you supporting being the handler. And like, if you have a public school that doesn't want the service dog or the qualification of your child as having a disability, they're gonna exploit that loophole, which is exactly what happened to us. When my son went to school, to tell the public school three blocks away that we no longer go to, that he was getting a service dog. The next day they put up a sign that said, no dogs allowed on the playground, right? And they, we had to go all the way up to the superintendent. We had a lawyer on board. And ultimately we were like, this is not worth it, right? Because like they were gonna find the loopholes in the law to make it so that my son wasn't doing the right thing in order to like sustain the handling of the service dog. So you have to think really carefully about your expectations, your energy, your executive functioning capacity, where you are if your child's in burnout. And you know, maybe you're thinking about about having the dog more as a therapy dog in the home. And that's very different than a service dog going and accompanying your child in a public school. Six, this may seem like common sense, but you'd be surprised how much it comes up. (laughs) Does your child like dogs? Okay, some parents want to get a service dog for their child when their child doesn't actually like dogs or have any interest of always being around a dog. Because remember that the service dog is literally like next to them all the time. And like some PDA kids are not gonna like that. So my son, his one enduring special interest that has not been dropped or rotated since he was born has been dogs. Like when he would see dogs, he would stop crying, stop thrashing, and for a moment engage and not be manic. This was when he was an infant all the way up until the present moment. So like I knew on a certain level, dogs were going to be positive, even if it didn't work out in the school environment, okay? So I've now told you six things that are potential cons. And now I will tell you the last point, which it can still be totally worth it even though it's complex and adds to your caregiving load and there's demands and it's going to push you out of your comfort zone, even if you're a dog lover. Why can it be totally worth it? So for my son, I truly believe at this stage in his journey, and especially when he left public school and tried out a private school, the ability to have his service dog there with him was the reason he was able to access school. Right. And so while we paid twenty thousand dollars for the service dog, it allowed me to start a business. Right. And so cost benefit. Right. We had the financial privilege to be able to afford that. And I'm just making it explicit because, yes, I have privilege, but it doesn't help you if I hide that and pretend like I don't. Okay, second, it has given him a degree of self-confidence that he did not have before because he is like the kid with the service dog and he really owns it and he really loves it and he's proud of it, right? So it's like a confidence builder for him. He allows the other kids to pet the dog, to interact with the dog during recess. And it's like a conversation piece, especially earlier on in his journey when he wasn't so into football or sports and didn't necessarily have Something to engage on. It has allowed us once but I'm hopeful about the future to travel on a plane together. So since we moved to Michigan from Washington, D.C., my son had not been on a plane because he was in burnout and it just wasn't like feasible for our family. And he and I went to Colorado to do some healing work together this summer and we brought the dog and it facilitated this trip. Like We got to go on a plane. We were in an Airbnb together and I, I do believe that that allowed us to travel and it makes me hopeful for the near to medium future that potentially we can do that again. Um, and when he has traveled with his dad, like over Christmas, when we've split the family, that's been driving trips around Michigan, which is where we live. And the dog has made him feel comfortable enough to do little do little trips, which wasn't the case prior, like two years prior to the dog arriving and when he was in burnout. So it's also over the long term, once we let go of the expectation or demand or energy around wanting him to do it, it has been a source of growth for him. So he has expressed interest in training other dogs. He spent months going to the dog park with his dad every day after school and they would throw the football. He has studied a lot about dogs. He has started a dog sitting business and he has great delegation skills because he also sometimes delegates to his friends who are interested at school and engaging with the dog to like Do things like fill up his water or uncouple him from the desk. So that is the quick and dirty training on service dogs to support you in thinking about whether this is even something you would want to pursue, what the pros and cons are, or if potentially it sounds like too much, which is totally cool. And maybe you just want to get a puppy or a therapy dog to support with that extra sentient being slash nervous system in your home for your kid or for you. All right, everybody. Thanks for being here. And I hope for those of you who are interested in this question, it is helpful. Thanks everyone for being here with me at the At Peace Parents podcast. This is your source for all things related to understanding, supporting, accommodating, and advocating for your PDA child. To go deeper on any of these topics, check out my course offerings and masterclasses at the website www.atpeaceparents.com. To completely transform the way you think about and relate to your child and to bring peace and stability to your home, join us for the next cohort of the Paradigm Shift Program.